Hello, and welcome back to the Peak Too Early podcast, the only show with an upload schedule more inconsistent than Manchester United's form. I'm joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, Blake Munchell. Hi, Blake. It's been uh, almost two weeks, and we're squeezing in a quick Thursday pod before your 5.30 class. How are you? I have had a up and down last uh, two or so weeks, uh, much like Newcastle. But mm. also much like Newcastle, uh, how they got some important points that probably keep them safe. Uh, I've, you know, done a lot of my schoolwork, so I'm happy with where I am. Unlikely, I am unlikely to get relegated from graduate school. So that is a very unlikely like circumstance, which you know, that, that's something to fall back on at least in the depths of school-related despair. Um. I'm doing fine. I'm I I was I'm the guilty party. I had to cancel the pod recording on Sunday. I've just been really 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 busy. Um but I'm happy to do it today and then this Sunday too. So we'll have two quick pods out. That'll be fun. And yeah, I guess without further ado, seeing as we're on a time crunch, shall we get into it? Yes, and where do you, oh I guess I will start us off uh, recapping yeah. our predictions from our episode t- 12 February 1st uh, prediction. Uh, and if you listen to the last pod, you'll know I had a miraculous plus four miraculous. Uh, which gave me a plus one net score. Uh, and I have since built upon my lead. Uh, I gained a further two points um, to move me to plus three overall. So um, a pretty healthy lead at the top of the table for myself. Great. Well, um, I don't know. I mean, it's not insurmountable, I suppose. I was ahead uh, by a lot about a month ago, so maybe I can catch up but we'll see. Yeah, well, as you were saying, where do you want to start? Because we we have two whole match days and a lot of football that has occurred since we've last talked. But I think we're going to go in depth on only a few of them, right? Yes. Let's jump back mm-hmm. to uh, match day 21, okay. uh, which saw a lot of things happen. Um, but most importantly... Uh, two matches that I think kind of, uh, you know, I guess three matches that kind of defined the match day. Um, the first is uh, Wolves beating Arsenal uh, 2-1 in a match that was full of controversy. Uh, Manchester United slapping around Southampton. You yep. know, also <laughs> a match that was also surrounded in controversy. Yes. And then Brighton upsetting the former champions uh, 1-0. Quite a match. So I'll let you pick your match you would like to talk about. Um, Okay, I think. I mean, let's let's do Wolves Arsenal because um, I think that'll be an interesting one to talk about. Uh, Or we could start with Man U Southampton. But honestly, I mean, I know there were nine goals, but I don't think there's that much to talk about in a way. Um, I don't know what you want to do. I'm being indecisive. You take over. Okay, I'll 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 take over. I'll start with my, you know, one second recap of Man U Southampton. Okay, uh, yeah. It was an absolute decimation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have in my notes, uh, it should have been 9 1. Uh, I think Southampton yeah, yeah. were a little hard done by. Um, there was an offsides call that I thought yeah. should have gone probably the other way. Um, but that's all we need to talk about. Uh, it was a dire match if you are a Saints fan. Yeah. Um, I mean, we should say that. Uh, red card in the second minute and the way that Southampton play they just clearly can't deal with being like a man down with the the system they play because they just try and play open football and so then they just essentially capitulated which is bad but um you know with with two with what three goals coming from the 88th minute onwards um probably should have been more like six um but by that point they had two reds so yeah nothing Um, nothing original to say about this match so Let's move on. Although there is one very historic thing that occurred in this match that I don't think will ever occur ever again in the history of the Premier League or whatever replaces the Premier League. Okay. Ralph Hassenhutl has now been beaten 9-0 twice in the Premier League. Yeah. 
and he is not on the hot seat. Yeah, no, that's true. It's true. It's. I think it's that's quite, one of the most amazing headlines remarkable. that could quite exist. Quite remarkable. Yeah. Okay. Um, Wolves Arsenal. Arsenal Wolves. How, how about that? Yeah. Um, so this match was started out with a Pepe goal. Um, they spent what eighty million on him, and this is what their his third goal. He's he, he's coming into some form though. To be fair to him, um, I mean, you know, I, as I keep saying, it's not his fault that he was like eighty mil. But over the past few weeks, he's been decent. I quite I've quite liked him. So green shoots yes. recovery for him, I guess. But that this is not the point of this uh, recap. So go ahead. And then this turned into a fascinating match. Uh, right before halftime, um, David Luiz brings down William Jose in the box. Um, a lot of controversy around this. Um, and he was shown a straight red. Uh, and yeah. there was minimal contact. Yes. But I think it is still 100% a red card. I, I think and this is, a penalty. This is so interesting because I don't, I, I disagree. Interesting. Yeah. So I say uh, William Jose is one-on-one with the goalkeeper. Yeah. He's a seasoned striker. If there is no contact on him, he probably will put yeah. it away. Mm-hmm. There's enough contact from contact from David Luiz that it sends both of them to the ground. Yeah. Um, and I just, you know, clear, get, clear goal so scoring I think- opportunity. I think I think my gripe is probably as much to do with the law as the execu- execution of the law because for me like watching this David Luiz sending off is just super annoying because if he goes if he if David Luiz goes through William Jose completely right you know he go, he goes through William Jose but he's he's trying to get the ball okay which is what will happen in that scenario if he goes for the tackle because the ball is you know at, everyone is so packed together that like David Luiz could feasibly do a bad challenge where he takes out William Jose, but he's still trying to get the ball. So he's deemed that he's trying to get the ball. Then he, he's given a yellow and a penalty, right? So he could have smashed into the back of him and not get, got sent off. But for this, he barely does anything and he's given a straight red for it. And it makes, it, like, makes no sense to me. It's just super annoying. Like, that, that shouldn't be how, it, like, how football works. Like, yeah, he's 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 barely touched him, and he's you know impacted like a goal scoring chance. But 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 then he's given a red for that. But he would have been given a yellow for doing something much more violent than that, which is just it doesn't make sense. I it's it's annoying. That's fair, I suppose. Yeah, um, that's that's my I'm main gripe. Not, I have absolutely no understanding of the double jeopardy rule. Hmm. Um, like literally it's a foreign language to me um not really sure when double jeopardy comes into effect and when it doesn't um i that's what i thought was going to happen with this right that like you either give the pen and a yellow or you give the straight red and no pen but then the straight red and no pen is ridiculous yeah yeah Uh, so i think you but i mean i more annoying than anything yeah i guess and i think the Sorry, go ahead. The, yeah, the rule is if you take down someone in a clear goal scoring opportunity, it's a red card. So yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's just about like the 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 amount of contact and that he's deemed that he's not trying to go for the ball, but he could be way more violent and he would have been deemed going for the ball anyway. I've rambled about it. The other one other thing I'll say also is I think David Luiz is like the. Uh, the victim of his own reputation where I, I fully believe that like the referee probably had no issue giving him a red because it's like David Luiz and he makes like weird sideshow Bob decisions constantly. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. I was Yeah. But I mean, his reputation uh, is there because of the, no, yeah, I know. I know. I, I, so, absolutely. Like, that's how yeah. reputations work. <laughs> exactly. So. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, this wasn't the end of the game. What happened next? Uh, so Ruben Neves uh, slotted home the penalty, uh, a great penalty. Um, the wool- Wolves have some of the best penalty takers on their team. They have, just because they have a lot of like very technical players. Um, yeah. I feel like there's like six or seven yeah. of the top twenty penalty takers play for Wolves. Um, 
So, and then right after halftime, uh, João Matinho, who everyone thought this was Ruben Neves, uh, scored a absolutely amazing goal. Um, yeah. Yeah, very nice. Um, but the best part of the second half came in the 72nd minute um, where Leno comes out of the box um, to try to prevent uh, Adama Traore from getting on the end of a uh, route one ball, uh, yep. dives and misses the ball, reaches behind him Incredible. and like <laughs> grabs the ball. Yeah. Um, and so one, like a hilarious intentional handball, kind of reminiscent of, uh, I think it was Lewis Cook for Bournemouth last season. Yeah, yeah. That's where he just like swats yeah. the ball out of the air. Yeah. Um, but uh, the second best part of this incident is I don't know if Adama Traore gets onto the end of the ball. Uh, it yeah. was moving with some speed. It was. It was. Yeah, I mean, it's just this is just a complete nightmare for um, for the Arsenal goalie, uh, for for Leno. I think, I don't know. I'm. I, you'd you'd think that a decision like this would might might be more common when there's a bunch of screaming hostile fans. It seems like really odd that he's like lost his head to this extent in a what is ostensibly like a a training match, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a, a boneheaded decision. Yeah, super boneheaded decision. I guess he was more so what, he he goes out, he's like, Well, I don't want to get absolutely schooled by Adama Traore. Yeah. Um, right. I think but I think so. Yeah. And then he misses the ball and he has like one one thousandths one one thousandths of a second to yeah, react. To react, um, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, whatever. It, it's just funny. Um, they were going to lose anyways. They didn't concede anything after this. Um, yeah. So. But yeah, I mean, we're not going into it, but two two defeats on the spin now because they lost one nil to Villa the follow like that weekend on Saturday. So they need to bounce back Arsenal um, if they're going to continue their recovery. All right. Um, yeah. What was the uh, what, which really? Oh, go ahead. Really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, Brighton beats Liverpool. Yes. Yes. One nil. Um, Great match, very resolute, very Burnley-like, um, or uh, very Jose Mourinho of Brighton. Um, although, like, Brighton play a very attractive type of football, but it was, like, your typical 64%, or, th- sorry, 36% possession for Brighton. Although, Liverpool only had one shot on target. Well, so, a, um, what which a week, is a what problem a week for, for Brighton Liverpool too. recently. Oh, yeah, you're, you're right. You're right, it is. I was just well, saying... What, Brighton also... Crash out of the FA Cup. They do, but I mean, before that, they got seven from nine, held Burnley to a one-one draw, which was is like a decent result, and obviously beat Tottenham. So quite quite a week for them. Um, yeah, Brighton Burnley was actually a really good match. Yeah, it was a great match. I Another watching that. They're ten points clear of the relegation zone now. Um, level on points with with Newcastle, I think. Um, just have a better goal difference, so it's quite something. Yeah, uh, massively better. Okay, yeah. so let's move okay. on to match day. 23 23 okay yeah i can i have good notes of united everton and city liverpool so i can start with any of those oh let's talk about man you okay okay so uh, yeah i can i can go over newcastle southampton let's do it i have a um Um, a nice question for you there so interesting yeah okay so this was a absolutely necessary win um that Big win. even though it essentially uh, prevents relegation for Newcastle this season, uh, it really does feel like a loss. Um, coming out of this match, uh, like the long-term effect of this, other than three points, is uh, Fab Share and uh, Javier Manquillo have season-ending injuries, which is two more defenders lost. Um, in a long line of injury room Newcastle players. And probably most importantly, uh, Callum Wilson will be out for this is six terrible. to eight weeks. Um, and Callum Wilson is a player who has contributed 75% of Newcastle's goals this season. Um, so just pretty catastrophic long-term yeah. effects from this match. Yeah, But... 
the first half alone was amazing. Um, it really was well. pretty end to end. It's not like Southampton were playing poorly, which is rare. Normally, Newcastle only wins if the other side is like horrendous. Um, Fab Share knocked a great one over the top. Um, Alan St. Maximon did Alan St. Maximon. He was things. so good. Um, yeah, he was so good. Yeah, great match from him. Uh, cut it back to the deadline day signing of Joe Willock, mm-hmm. um, who it was essentially a penalty shot. Um, yeah. The, from where he hit it, it was almost exactly on the dot. Um, yep. The Danny Ings had a lot of opportunities, and he was strangely poor. Um, his head's gone. And I was wondering... I was wondering if it's his desire to move away from Southampton that he's mentally not on his edge as he has been. Um, Maybe. I mean, yeah. he scored today in the FA Cup in like a drab FA Cup match, so I'm sure he's all right. Um, but yeah, yeah, maybe. He wants to move. Um, you know? Miggy uh, smashed a shot in. Should have been an own goal, but it was credited to Almiron. Mm. Um, Minamino made his debut for Southampton. Yeah, he was good. He was good. Also, very good. Played out on the left wing, which was cool. Um, and he scored a great goal into the top of the, uh, like into the top net. Um, and then uh, the story of the first half was a very poor performance from Alex McCarthy. Um, yeah. Capped, capped off by a 45th plus fourth minute uh, goal where he had a really poor pass uh, to whoever the defender on that side was. I think it was Ryan Bertrand. Um, mm-hmm. Bertrand can't get it under control. Miggy yeah. steals it off of him and yeah. just like passes it into the goal. Um, yeah. And then everything went downhill. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second half started with John Joe missing a sitter. Um, Alex McCarthy got pulled way wide, um, leaving the entire net, and John Joe scuffed the shot. So it should have been yep. 4-1. Give away a stupid foul. James Ward-Prowse punishes, makes it 3-2. Um, and I always say, when you don't take your chances, yeah. you're going to end up regretting ruin, it. Ruin them, yep. Uh, and then in the 50th minute, uh, Jeff Hendrick, who was already on a yellow card for what should have been a red card in the first half, he scissor-tackled Minamino, uh, yeah. decides to just like bear-hug Minamino and not let him do the fast break. Yeah. Um, while there were five defenders back for Newcastle. So Hendrick is sent off. Uh, by this point, Monquillo and Wilson had already gone off. And I think Jamal Lewis had also gone off with an injury, but not a serious one. Right. Um, so all three subs had been made by the first half. Uh, all of a sudden, there's a red card taking us down to 10. And then... Uh, some, I don't know the exact time on this, um, but Fab Share went down. Um, he was yeah. down for four or five minutes, was stretchered off, um, yeah. and Bednarak, he yeah. will have season-ending injury. Um, so right. that leaves Newcastle with one fit center back uh, for the next few weeks while Federico Fernandez return. Um, right, so yeah. That's not great. Not great at all. Um, Liverpool-esque maybe so look i mean it's a good win um and i think it, it's going to be a maybe a nervy nervy time to see how you adapt but my, my one question for you is this so disregard that you need in, you needed investment in other areas for a second which i know is hard now because you don't have any center backs but from my point of view you don't have you don't have a player at the club like Joe Willock, right? So he carries the ball through the midfield from deeper positions, and none of your other players do that. Like Jeff Hendrick, uh, Shelby, they don't do that. And he can also arrive late in the box and, and score. Um, so, I mean, will it allow you to attack more? Will it provide more exciting games for you if he's in the lineup? What, what's wrong with this signing, if anything, from your point of view? So I know why you're asking me this because I slated the signing. Um, well, but yeah, I mean, I think you I, you have like a tendency to hate like young English players, which is fine because they're overhyped. Arsenal but, players, yeah, especially Arsenal um, players. But go go on. So this um, 
short shorter fuse i think or shortest fuse um which is sb nation's arsenal podcast um said it best because they did a little preview for newcastle um where they talked about what joe willick could bring if he's given uh like full starting minutes um and they talked about how you want him winning the winning the ball back making a quick move laying the ball off not yeah. touching it, letting people progress yeah, yeah. the ball. Yeah. And then Joe Willick, late arrival, either will get the last pass or shoot and score. Yeah. I mean, um, he's not a very good don't technical want him, player. Yeah. You don't want him in the extended buildup. You want him to start the buildup and end the buildup, yeah. uh, which is exactly what happened on his goal. And it happened quite a few times uh, in this match. Um, I think his best skill is certainly. Um, poking the ball away from yeah. an opposing midfielder, making a quick move to get away from him, and then giving the ball to someone like Alan St. Maximin or Miguel Almiron to carry the ball forward. Um, yeah. it, it, I did not see enough of him in this match because the entire second half, Newcastle were like super under the cosh. Um, just like nobody had a good second half no. in terms of like showing anything other than low blocks um but yeah yeah is a okay debut for it someone okay. who scored yeah 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 casual okay yeah we'll, it's, we'll see how he kicks on right yeah uh, maybe, exactly maybe he'll, he'll be your new genie wine who knows exactly and i will say jeff hendrick also scored on his newcastle debut so uh, I true, and he has hesitate to give praise for debut goal scorers. Yeah, no, that's understandable. That is understandable. Cool. Okay. Um, where to next then? Uh, Manchester United, Everton. All right, I'll take this one. So this was um, a, I guess, kind of a firecracker of a match. It ended in a three-three draw with a dramatically late equalizer by Dominic Calvert-Lewin, which saw Manu. Definitely saw Manu drop the two points at Old Trafford and probably means that they've thrown away any hopes of having an advantage in this title race. Um, I guess you could say they're still in it um, if you don't think that City have already wrapped it up. Um, but yeah, I mean, Manu Man continuing on their habit of being really bad defensively. I think all three of the Everton goals were probably avoidable. Um, Man United went 2-0 up in the first half. And I think they were really benefiting from their attacking verve again. And I will say, just because this is a player that we disagree on a lot, um, that was spearheaded by Mason Greenwood. He was really good in this match um, down the right. He was just like destroying the Everton defense for at least 70 minutes. Um, Cavani and Fernandez ended up being the first half goal scorers. And then after half time, I guess Ancelotti laid into them in, in his probably breezy way um, because Everton came out fired up. And they scored a really quick double. Um, Tom Davis, who's been lambasted by Everton fans this season, but has is in a good patch of form, um, I think. He was good against Tottenham uh, in that crazy 5-4 <laughs> FA Cup victory yesterday. Um, anyway, he fed Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who breezed past Harry Maguire like he wasn't there. Um, it was embarrassing. Saw his shot saved weekly. And then Decore put it in. And then four minutes later, James Rodriguez beats De Gea from range with a nice with a nice goal. Um, and then I think the game was basically decided by two goalkeeper mistakes because there was an Olsen Howler, uh, which saw... So Mc- bad. Um, yeah, so bad. McTominay put the ball in the back of the net so United can go 3-2 up. And then deep in stoppage time, United conceded a needless free kick. It was lumped in. De Gea was in no man's land, doesn't deal with it. Maguire who's the captain, should be taking responsibility, does nothing. And Dominic Calvert-Lewin scraps it in in like, what, the 96, I don't know, 94th minute? Something crazy. Um, and yeah, that's that 3-3. Th- uh, I wasn't expecting this at all. Um, I, I can't remember who I said would win, but I, um, oh, I can't remember what result I predicted, but I definitely wasn't thinking a 3-3 draw. Um, yeah, I guess a question that emerges from this is, this season what does success mean for Everton um is it a cup and uh Europa League finish like what's going on with them should they should they definitely be gunning for the top four so I actually think the biggest benefit of Everton um 
success this season is if they are to get European football, um, mm-hmm. they will be able to keep a lot of their team together. Um, right. Because I think that's really how they got players like Allen this season who've been really important for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, like players of that quality don't come to the Premier League to join a non-European team. They're sold the European uh, vision by one of the best managers in the world. If yeah. the if he can't get European football, they're obviously going to leave the next season. Yeah. Yeah. So even if they get seventh and make the Europa League with the stupid cup plus whatever um, rules for making the Europa League, um, I think the biggest benefit is they'll be able to kick on next year. Um, they're only going to get stronger if they mm. are already having European football. My yeah. question about them is if they are to get European football, they desperately need depth um, because we've seen it when they've had injuries to their top players. The players who fill in for them are nowhere near up to standard for Everton. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And I keep forgetting. I just forgot that they have Josh King. Um, I guess they need, they need to, uh, they definitely need to add depth if they're going to have a European campaign because I think, you know, there's there's gaps in that team for sure. Um, anything more to say on that? Um, I will say Jordan Pickford was dropped. He's injured. This match. he's injured. I think. Okay, is he injured? Yeah, he's injured. Um, so yeah, yeah. I don't. I think they. <laughs> I don't think Olsen is a necessarily no. top six level goalkeeper, but I mean, neither is De Gea. Um, yeah, it's true. Well, we can, a we lot can, of these yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. goalkeepers who are up at the top. Um, yeah, I, I mean, De Gea has been pretty poor for what three years now. Pop, I just, yeah, I, I guess. Because oh, yeah. it was Euros, right? Or was it the World Cup where he was so bad? Uh, it was the World Cup where he was horrible. Yeah, he was really, really horrible. So, yeah, I mean, I think we've seen a decline um, from then. And I just don't know how much longer you can hold on to him. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah. I think he's been dropped for Spain as well. So, yeah, not looking great for him. I'm, I'm not sure where he yes. goes after this. But let's move on. Okay. Kepa in. Yeah, Kepa in, I guess. Um, why don't we move on to Liverpool City? Um, because this was a huge match. Uh, I mean, it's become probably over the past few years like the biggest grudge match in the Premier League because these are the two juggernauts and obviously Liverpool slipping behind this season. Um, I think, yeah, Man City further stamped their claim as the best team in the country. Uh, it was an emphatic second-half display against Liverpool um, that resulted in a 4-1 victory away at Anfield. And frankly, this was an embarrassing night for Liverpool, I think. Um, not least because they went in at half-time with a score 0-0, Gundogan having just skied a penalty. And usually when that happens, you know, a team wakes up at half-time and they're buoyed and they're fired up. Um, but I think... The embarrassment came in the second half as Alisson essentially was at fault for three of these four goals um, and two of them yep. were complete howlers. Um, so in, well, at, at one, let's, let's quickly talk about the first half because um, I think some interesting things happened in the first half, but then the second half is so action-packed. It's like we got to talk okay. about two games here. All right. Um, I want to start off with a question. Um, there was like a 11th minute yellow card for Tiago Tiago Alcantara, mm-hmm. um, a very poor challenge. Um, yeah. What is your opinion of Tiago in the Premier League so far? I mean, I, I it's not his fault, frankly, that this is a dysfunctional Liverpool side that have most of, like a really important players uh, out. I think if you like, if you look at the way he plays and the stats that he puts up, he's playing excellently, but he's inhibited by the system that Liverpool are forced to play right now. So he's trying to do everything right, and he's like a twenty-nine-year-old, thirty-year-old guy whose best attribute is being freed up by other players around him 
to spray these like gorgeous passes everywhere and create chances. He can't really do that because there's no Henderson in midfield to give him that space. So, I mean, like Thiago is objectively probably the best, if not top three best creative, pure creative midfielders in, in the world. And, you know, next season, given, you know, given Liverpool don't capitulate and, I don't know, sell a bunch of players and, I don't know, Klopp loses his dressing room or something, we'll, we'll, see, the, we'll see the very best of him because the system will allow him to be his very best. And I think he's operated perfectly fine in this uh, system so far. It's just that he has these unfortunate like stats now where it's like he doesn't he hasn't won much when he started and stuff like that but it, it's really nothing i mean it's yeah. it's literally it's tiago Alcantara. he's so good like there's there's no there's no he's done nothing wrong i would say yeah um just an interesting stat about him um he is ranked i think it's 16th for liverpool players in terms of big chances created um with one on this season yeah, but I mean, I think that's due to the fact that he's being forced yeah, to play I, like this role that he doesn't want to play. Like, like I said, you know. So I agree. Uh, but yeah. I saw a Liverpool fan joking about how uh, Allison creates more big chances than Tiago. Yeah, and I thought that well, was we can fun. get onto that in a second. Yeah, no, that is. Um, <laughs> yeah, the uh, and then there was also the the penalty for Gundogan. Um, mm. I thought the. It was like a strange penalty given by Fabinho um, that right. you don't really expect from a Liverpool defender, um, especially of all the Liverpool depend- defenders, not one as seasoned as Fabinho. Um, he somehow manages to dangle both of his legs yeah. um, back in front of Sterling. Um, but I think, and yeah, 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 go ahead. Sorry. Sterling is one of the best dribblers in the world. No, yeah, for sure. I mean... I think I think that might be a just that just exposes that Fabinho isn't like a pure center back because I think he's taken his best attributes as a deep lying midfielder into the defense and when Liverpool play lesser teams they they you know he's not going to come up against an elite dribbler or or something like that like Raheem Sterling every week so he can sort of command the space much more easily and he's not going to have to go one on one as much. Um, and yeah, I think they think that's that's why he sort of gave that away so so easily. But yeah, I mean, I think yeah. it was. So I let's don't get think, into the second half. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, like you said, a couple of interesting incidents. I don't think either team were actually that good in the first half. Um, but in the second half, City just upped the gear. So I was uh, I was mentioning that Allison sort of contributed most to this embarrassing display um, because he was at fault for three of the goals. And for the two of those, he basically passed the ball straight to the opposition. So at 1-1, um, he dallied in possession and he, he forced his teammates to shank it clear. And then when he when when he received the ball back, he literally passed it straight to Phil Foden, um, who then, I mean, like ghosted past Henderson and cut it back to Gundogan, who smashed it into the roof of the net for his second. And then just a few minutes after that, Allison he accepts a back pass from Wijnaldum and then he passed it straight to Bernardo Silva, who then found Sterling at the far post, who nodded it in. Um, I think outside, we can, yeah, I'll ask, ask you more about Allison in a second. Outside of Allison's mistakes, Salah scored a penalty in the 63rd to equalize after Gundogan's quick second half goal. And then all that happened and Liverpool capitulated with it being crowned by Foden wrapping it up with this brilliant jig in the penalty box before smashing it the ball so hard at Allison that Allison couldn't even get his arms up in time it was a great goal um but yeah i mean for city it's 10 straight victories um excluding that FA cup victory um for liverpool it's the first time they've suffered three consecutive home defeats at anfield since 1963 and yeah do you have any thoughts maybe about allison or in general before my my question that i'm posing to you yeah, I would just say, uh, so people talk, when they talk about Adarison, uh, they talk about how unfortunate it is that uh, he is like coming into his prime right as 
Allison is also coming yeah. into his prime, so he's never going to get into the Brazil team over Alisson. He should. Um, however, it's I think it's funny that one of Adarison's best traits is his distribution, mm-hmm. and uh, what mm-hmm. destroyed Liverpool in this match was Allison's uh, yeah. distribution. distribution. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, okay, I'll pose my question to you then. Uh, was this a breakout match for Phil Foden? And if so, um, how good is he? You know, I mean, I think this season has been a breakout, breakout for yeah. Phil Foden. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'd be unfair on him to call like this match um, his so, breakout. Yeah. However, I meant I he meant was like unreal in yeah. this match. I meant was it a um, breakout match within a breakout season? Do you know what I mean? I'd like, say yeah, like a def- yeah. a defining match yeah. in a breakout season. I think. Yeah. Um, there have been times where I've questioned like is Phil Foden just one of these Manchester City wonder kids uh, who one of them pops up every season has some great performances and then can never keep it up Um, but Phil Foden kind of had that pop up last season or two seasons ago Um, and everyone said that Phil Foden was going to get the Guardiola uh, like refuses to loan him out and wastes him on the bench, and then uh, yeah. his career never progresses. But yeah. uh, like uh, Pep seems to love him, and yeah. he's he treating him well. Yeah, plenty I think. of playtime. Yeah, yeah. I think he's he's been handled really well because he hasn't actually played that much that much, um, or been given that many minutes prior to this season. And this season is he's sort of exploded a little bit more so yeah i guess he's been handled really well so that's good good for england frankly so yeah yeah um Um, yeah that's my biggest go ahead my biggest qualm of him is uh he's got like the curtis jones effect where he just like looks like one of the worst people you know he does but Um, it's just because he's like it's the haircut and he's just he's like he i i'm he seems in interviews much more personable than someone like Curtis Jones. This could be like so harsh. Um, I, I, for no reason don't like Curtis Jones. I think just with Curtis Jones, like it's, it's the aesthetic just like Phil Foden. But also I think I just watched this one interview with him where I just did not like his whole demeanor. And then it's just snowballed from there. So I should probably not be as judgmental as I am, but yeah, Phil Foden, Curtis Jones, maybe they're the future of the England midfield. How crazy would that be? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's all I have. That's all I have for this match. Yes. Um, w- were there any other matches you wanted to discuss? Uh, you know what? No, not really. Uh, I think I'm I'm good. I think, I think I can move on. I will shout out Sheffield United. Um, mm. I was very well. Generally, ever since they whipped Newcastle's ass, I uh, yeah. they have been playing pretty damn well. Um, And that recent run of form has seen them, you know, they're only one point behind West Brom off the bottom of the table. And I am pretty sure earlier this season, I bet you $5 that at no point this season would Mm -hmm. Sheffield United get out of 20th 20th place. And I'm definitely going to win that bet. A hundred percent. Yeah. They're not going to finish 20th. West Brom are horrible. West Brom yeah. are the worst team in the league for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh they played Chelsea recently. Um Chelsea won. I kind of felt that Sheffield United deserved something from this match. Yeah. Um and I mean, it's not something that I want to bring up, um, but it's become an occurrence that happens after what feels like every match nowadays, but um, Antonio Antonio yeah. Rudiger facing racial abuse after uh, his oh, mistake yeah. uh, in a match that they didn't even drop any points in. Um, well, it doesn't even, yeah, it don't, obviously. Yeah, which that doesn't matter, but it's an already I mean, ridiculous thing. So it's Further like what, ridiculous. Yeah. It's yeah. like what I said a couple of weeks ago in a text to you where I was like, uh, in, in, I mean, what we, we've had everything. We've had... Uh, 
oh my god i mean it's just like again this week it was okay so it was rudiger then then it was rashford again twanzebi because of he gave away the free kick uh reese james's sister who's like a huge star for the manchester united women's team she got abuse uh we got danda the um british asian player for swansea racially abused after they lost to city in the fa cup it's it's so it's literally now it is every time a team loses uh it's there will be a a player of color who is racially abused that's what's going to happen and instagram uh, facebook and instagram just announced these measures to curb the racial abuse by shutting down accounts that they find um you know send like racial racially charged or racially abusive messages to players um but i was listening to um i was listening to a podcast where i can't remember who it was was saying that he contacted a friend of his that works um for an unnamed like social media giant and he was saying um he was like i cannot like overstate how how easy it would be for these companies to completely stamp out and track like track all this stuff that's happening and stamp it out it's just that they're not doing it and i think that's like such it's just such a damning like indictment of of these like organizations that literally just they just don't care um, until until the pr like spin is so bad that they have to do something so yeah yeah um but it's also like this not only is it bad on social media it's for the last the entirety of the Premier League, it's been bad mm-hmm. in in stadiums, and nothing happens. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, because yeah. because fo- football is, yeah, it's it's not it. It's just I don't know. It's it attracts deeply problematic behaviors um, just across the board. So I don't know. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like it's like our team versus your team which mm-hmm. like people get the same way about like countries and yeah um, exactly that's like so but then even then like you have people like verbally abusing their own players um yeah which makes a hundred percent no sense it doesn't no obviously yeah. yeah it's just a truly awful thing that it won't go away until people start getting arrested for this stuff so. exactly yeah um let's yeah so uh, wait i do have go ahead uh, i wanted to, another yeah. okay another thing kind of in the same vein um is probably the rate of racial abuse pre-pandemic and post-pandemic towards football players yeah i would be willing to bet has stayed relatively constant um yeah i yeah. don't think i just think there's less to talk about right now. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. a lot more people are aware of the yeah. abuse. Um, yeah. But I mean, it's always yeah. happened. I agree. Um, something I do think has increased during the pandemic is death threats towards okay. managers and players. Um, and referees. Because, and referees, yeah. Like within the last know. month, there's been some 15 stories about... Uh, managers players staffs yep steve bruce Bruce recently recently yeah um players families uh players girlfriends everything like everyone everything yeah Yeah. so Uh, well i mean we'll keep yeah i think we'll keep we'll keep talking about this every now and again obviously like we're not best like position to go super in depth about it but i mean i think we can keep sort of keep updates going about the state of play with this kind of stuff because it's not going uh, uh, away anytime soon um uh, let's before we go into uh, our predictions i i want to i want to proffer i want to offer a bet a, another five dollar bet are you ready okay okay i want to yeah. bet you that kepa arisa balaga will find his way back into the starting 11 for chelsea under thomas tuchel before the season is out I'm not going to take that bet. In the Premier League. You're not going to take that bet? You think it will happen? Because, yeah, because I think Mendy is not that has good. been suspect yeah, yeah, at times. Yeah. He started he's, out yeah, so great, well, yeah. but he, you know, it, what, goalkeeper is like such a mental position yeah. that as soon as you get shaken once, you're, you know, that's all it takes. Um, no, yeah, I agree. And, Damn. 
I don't oh, well. think he's in good form right now. So. No, I think I think uh, I think Kepa will find his way back. He'll have another chance. All right then, fine. Uh, never mind. Um, let's let's move into predictions. Yeah, let me. Uh, let's see. Let me get it up in front of me. Okay, Oscar Saywell, you let's need a big week coming up. Uh, we are going to start with the 2016 champions versus the 2020 champions. Oh. Leicester City versus Liverpool. Who do you have winning? I don't have a winner. I'm going to go uh, a 1-1 draw. You know, is this at Anfield? No, it's at, it's at the King Power. I think I'm still going to go with my prediction. I think it's going to be a 1-0 win for Leicester City. Oh, nice, um, nice. It's, I, I'm not going to bet for a team with shaky form like Liverpool. Yeah. All right. Crystal Palace and Burnley. I reckon Palace will lose 1-0. Yeah. Um, Zaha might not play, I believe. Yeah, I don't know. I, but I even if he, he does, I think, I think they'll do a job on him, on him anyway. Yeah, yeah. Although no, I feel like Zaha's managed to pull some out of the bag against Burnley in the past. Um, oh, but okay. I, I, you know what? I'll go a one-one. Uh, you know, standard safe score draw. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice. Man City Spurs, something that would have been Ooh. a headlining match a while ago, but might not so, be right now. Mourinho has a good record against Man City for Tottenham. Um, so I feel like it would be ludicrous to bet against Man City. But maybe just to spice it up a bit, I'll go for a shock. I don't know. It seems crazy, but why not? Why not? I'll just go 2-1 for, for no, for, to Spurs. Um, just, I guess, more in hope than anything because it will, it will spice things up a bit. Why not? You never know. Yeah. Um, oof. Man City, 15 straight wins. Yeah, uh, it's, it's not Record-breaking. Oh, well. See. I can't bet against it. I'm gonna guess two nil, um, Man City, Tottenham, and Mourinho come under even more pressure. Um, right, right after yeah, that's, that's what we've talked about this season, the importance of Mourinho winning some silverware. Yeah, um, after they just crashed out of the cup. So, Brighton Villa. Brighton Villa. Okay, I think I'll, I'll continue. They did just beat Arsenal. It's hard. Uh, you know, I'll go for another score draw. I'll go 2-2. Two, two. I think Brighton are in good form, and I need to back Villa dropping points because that <laughs> jives with my prediction. Um, well, yeah. you know, I'm a pessimistic Newcastle fan, so I'm going to predict uh, Brighton extending their lead on Newcastle at the bottom of the table. Um, I'm going to go, you know, 1-0 Brighton. I will always bet against Villa. (laughs) All right. Southampton and Wolverhampton. So Southampton just beat Wolves today in the FA Cup with a very weak team. Um, Or was it the other way around? No, I'm sorry. It was it was with a strong team and Wolves with a weak team. I'm sorry. But I will back another victory. I'll just go 2-0 to Southampton. I'm going to go another score draw, um, a 2-2. Uh, Southampton morale has to be low right now. Um, and Wolves are out of form, so. Yeah. Uh, West Brom, Manchester United. I can't... No, it's West Brom are too bad. Three uh, 0 United. I think West Brom will make it hard for them, but I just can't. I cannot back a a West Brom getting points. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go two 0 Man U. I just can't yeah. imagine West Brom. Yeah, I I can't imagine West yeah. Brom getting something, something a much more close match. Uh, Arsenal leads. So. It it's it's chaotic. Leeds are super chaotic, and Arsenal aren't playing well. But I, I, you know, what? I'm going to back an Arsenal victory. I'm going to go three one. I just think that Leeds, in my mind, sort of tend to not do well in games that I expect them to do well in. 
um, against also against like these more established like top sides in the Prem. So I reckon I'll back an Arsenal victory, which is again a weird prediction, but I feel like I need Maverick predictions to eat up the ground. So I'm taking risks. So you have Arsenal or Leeds losing by more than one goal. Yeah. They have not lost by more than one goal really? since oh, they lost no. to Crawley Town in the FA Cup. Uh, oh, oh, and oh, before no. that, I'm still backing their three nil loss to Tottenham January second. I mean, they 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 you know they're capable of it, so it's fine. Oh, that wasn't that long ago. I'll I'll do the the two one leads. Uh, Everton Fulham. So Fulham were really good against West Ham. Um, we were bad, but but they you know as as usual showed some some great. Form. Oh, you know what? Dominic Calvert-Lewin is out injured. So I reckon I'll go for another Fulham draw, another draw, and I'll go for 1-1. Interesting. Yeah, I agree. Fulham's been pretty damn good. Um, hmm. But Everton seem to have their feet back underneath of them. Yeah. Um, and I think the class is going to show. I'll, I'll go 3-1 right. Everton. Um. The one of the United Derbies, West Ham, Sheffield. Um, I actually think we're going to lose this match, but uh, I never predict anything other than a draw. So I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go a one-one draw. That but is I think hilarious. We'll I definitely think we're going to lose. Uh, I'll go two-one West Ham. Um, you know what? I just think that's nice. West Ham can do it. Why not? It's nice. Um, I think I think we are completely exhausted and we have been overperforming and we are going to drop like a stone down the table in the next month. But anyway, we'll see. Okay. Chelsea Newcastle. Final prediction. Yep, Chelsea Newcastle. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'll I can't back. First. I can't back. I cannot back anything for Newcastle here. Too many injuries and Chelsea are in good form. I'm going to go a, sorry, 3-0, 3-0 Chelsea. Of a route. Um yeah, uh, Newcastle will probably play uh, a five at the back with one central defender. Um, we we are most likely going to do Kieran Clark in the middle, Paul Dummett and Emil Kraft on either side, uh, yeah. who are left backs and right backs, and then uh, alongside either one of them, I don't even know who we have at right back. It'll probably be um, Jacob Murphy. Probably. probably. Uh, and left back Jamal Lewis, neither of who can defend. Um, I think we are going to get beaten, but I think it's going to be 1-0. We always, uh, we always do pretty well against Chelsea. We very rarely get smashed. It, that's we're true. not going to win. Score any goals though. Whatever happens, we're not scoring, hmm. unless Kepa starts. Yeah. All right then. Okay, that's all of our predictions, and let's move into my questions. Do it. So this is probably the highest profile wonder kid I have brought to this podcast. Wow. In that. The expectations for him were astronomical. Mm-hmm. He was a in his youth um, a Lazio player before okay. moving at a very very young age to Manchester United. Um, okay, he did very well very early for Manchester United, and then shit the bed really hard um he stayed at manchester united until 2014 which is insane before moving to cardiff city novara and his current team can you tell me where federico macheda is oh federico macheda oh my god he's still playing Um... he's only 29 He's only 29, are you serious? Damn. Um, is he in Greece? 
Yes. Because I'm thinking uh, that I recently played a FIFA game. So here's my thinking. I recently played a FIFA game with Theo, right? Because Shinji Kagawa, who's one of my, like, I love him, just moved to Pauk. And I thought that he played, he was he moved to Panathinaikos. So I went into Panathinaikos and I'm, I, I feel like I'm recalling a Macheda who I did not connect to this Macheda. So I'm going to go Panathinaikos. He does play for Panathinaikos. Yes. Yes. So wow, that's amazing. He scored four goals for Manchester United in mm. his career, including three of them in a hat trick. Can you tell me who he scored that hat trick against? Oh. Um, Think about it. Very close to this podcast. Wait, uh, Newcastle. <laughs> yes, he yeah, scored a hat trick uh, in that a three three, three yeah, draw. That, that yeah. 09 one. Yeah, um, I remember in that his one. like second match. Yeah, for, like what? He was like eighteen. Uh, right? Like he was like so young. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, wow. I mean, to you know, to be honest, like uh, I just looked him up right now. Um, he's been at Panathinaikos since 2018, and he's made like you know he's like in the team. He's scoring. It's not not a bad life living in Greece. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah he gets to live uh, in Greece. He scores once every three matches. Yeah, it's uh, not bad, before man. that, he was at Cardiff City, and six in 27 is not the worst. Uh, and he has a he has a bumper contract there too. It, it expires in 2023. Four goals this season, one assist. You know. I mean, he's a sub sometimes, but it's not, it's not the worst living. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, exactly. It's better yeah. than you or I are doing. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, do you remember him? Like when he first broke on? Um, at- no, I can't say I do. I can't say I do, to be honest with you. That's a little bit. I feel like that's a little bit before my time watching the Premier League um, because I was living in... At that point, I was be living in um, the Netherlands, and we didn't get any sort of like coverage. So, yeah, yeah, I remember the name more yeah. than I ever remember him playing. Um, yeah, wow, well, yeah, funny career. Yeah, what a funny career. career! Yeah, yeah, funny. Yeah, definitely. One of these ones was like a unreal hyped youngster, yeah. um, and then has sort of had an average. It's career. like your your Bojan Kurcic, or that might be a bit harsh on Bojan Kurcic because he did make like a hundred something appearances for Barca. But you know, like oh, like Royston Drenth. I just read a uh, a Guardian article on him. Do you remember him? Yeah, I've yeah asked who... you about him before. Oh, you did. Yeah, he's oh, the soccer player turned rapper. Yeah, he scored on his debut for Real Madrid from. 40 yards. I, I, I forget. At yeah, Rossing Mercy. I forgot, yeah, that you did ask me about him. But yeah, same same category, I reckon. Similar, similar vibes. I actually think he's probably a, had a little bit of a better career. Um, Panathinaikos is a. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, he's had a better career because he's he's played more consistently at like actual clubs. And yeah, Panathinaikos is a. Europe they've league. done well in the Europa League. They've. Yeah, yeah so. Okay. Good for Makeda. Anyway, yeah. Okay. On to normal questions. Okay. Manchester City have won a record-setting 15 straight. Who does Manchester City next lose to? And I'll give you... uh, I guess Tottenham. Yeah. So they play Tottenham, Everton, Arsenal, uh, München Gladbach... Uh, mm-hmm. West Ham, Man U, Fulham. That's actually they they're et cetera, playing et uh, They're actually playing more difficult teams than they. I, I didn't realize. Um, I guess I've backed Tottenham to beat them uh, in our predictions. But okay, let's put that aside. I reckon they could. They'll definitely. I think they could definitely lo- uh, lose points to Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, so I'll go for that if I'm not going for Tottenham. All right. Yeah, that's fine. I. What, a, what about you? I. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe West Ham on February 27th, um, 7.30 a.m. Eastern no. Standard Time. 
Absolutely not. But I, I can wish. see Everton doing it um, in, you know, about a week's yeah, time. Yeah, I could see that too. A draw, a score draw versus Everton. Hmm. Uh, at Goodison Park, so. Um, right. Talking about Goodison Park, uh, although he is currently injured, uh, DCL, he had this amazing start to the season. He had a goal drought. And then he scored in his last two appearances for Everton. Mm -hmm. Is he returning to form or is this reminiscent of the 2020-2021 season's Timu Puki form where he started out the season unbelievably, went a long time without scoring. Everyone thought he was back in form and then didn't score again for the rest of the season. Um. No, oh, well, I mean it's different now, right? Because they're really concerned about this, um, this injury. Um, no, I think it's not, not Timo Pukki esque. He's he's better than that, I reckon. Um, the system suits him. He's he's scored in in the cup as well as the the league. And I think if he recovers from this hamstring injury, he'll hit he'll hit like sixteen or seventeen at least um, before the season's up. At least, you know, you could see him going for twenty, um, depending on how long he's out for. So. No, I don't think it's the same thing. I think, I think he'll have a very solid season. Yeah, um, I don't see that they're that worried about the injury. I thought Duncan Ferguson said it's. I'm kind of worried. Duncan Ferguson says we're not quite sure yet. He was claim- complaining about his hamstring as he came off the pitch. We've not got an assessment yet. Well, I'm sure he'll be fine. So then if if there's nothing wrong, then definitely I think he's going to kick on. Okay, uh, next question. Uh, This season has seen some pretty amazing things, whether it be West Ham uh, with their nosebleeds, um, Arsenal and Tottenham massively underperforming, uh, Leicester City sitting in third and still theoretically having a chance at the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, when was the last time the Premier League season was this good? Uh, well, when when was the last time it was this good? That's a great question. Because I, I guess I guess you'd have to say 2016, 2015, whenever Leicester won it. Even though I was going to add a stipulation that oh, you're okay. not allowed to say 2016. Um, I was going to say that because. Um, even yeah obviously because of who won even though that season actually like a lot of great teams were really bad um when was the chelsea team? were horrendous that season yeah and, and yeah and tottenham bustled it and yeah no no one was good um when was it good that's a hard one i i you you'd kind of have to go 20 2012 2013 was a really good season I, th- I actually think 2017, 2018 was a, was a good season because you had like Man- Man- Pep's Man City reached 100 points. So they blew everyone away. But I, I guess Liverpool got really close. Salah set the league record for goals because he scored 32. Arsene Wenger left. It was his last season at Arsenal. Um, and uh, you had three really like well-established Premier League clubs, if I recall correctly, go down in Swansea City, Stoke City, and West Brom. So that meant you had three that came up, stay up. I think that was like what the season Wolves came up, um, that kind of stuff. So I reckon I'll go for 2017, was, 2018. Yeah. It was the season, I believe, that Wolves came up, they got 12th, and yeah. then the next season they got 7th. Um, yeah. So I think, I think yeah. I'll go 2017, 2018 was a good season despite the fact that City romped to the title. And it wasn't like a title race as such. Even though I guess, I mean, I guess you could probably throw in Liverpool, but City were far and away the best team. Yeah. Um, And then my final question for today's podcast is in a similar vein um, as the last one, uh, what is your dream conclusion to this season? What is my dream conclusion to this season? My dream conclusion to this season is that City, City start something happens to them and they 
they revert to the form they had at the beginning and we have a genuine four like four four way title race with random teams in it like Everton and Leicester um and then the dream for me would be West Ham drop a lot of points in the next month but then finish the season really strong and do not get Europa League so like eighth place um my dream uh, would be that Sheffield United stay up somehow. Uh, and yeah, that, that, I'll go for that. That's, those are my three things. Okay. Who do you want to replace Sheffield United in the bottom three? Yeah, I, can't, um, I don't give a shit about Burnley, so they can go down. I would be Def- sad to see Burnley go down. I don't. I, I love gen- the shit housery. I don't like Sean Dyche, so fuck off. Love him or hate him, you have to admit. Oh yeah, he's he's excellent. He's excellent. I just think he's like he has the touch of the David Brents around him. I think. Okay, Uh, that is all of my questions. And do you have anything you want to say before we wrap up? Um, Other than, uh, well, thanks for listening. Follow us on social media at Peak Too Early Pod. Follow Blake. Actually, do I even know your at? Uh, let me yeah, let me go for it. Let me go for it. It's at at B Munch. That's easy. That's an easy one. Um, yeah, follow easy. me at o at Oscar at o h s c u h. Um, email us at peak too early pod at gmail dot com. That's the number two, the numeral. And yeah, I guess you know, stay safe out there. Um, make good decisions, and we'll see you soon. Or yeah, we will not see you in person. Well, yeah, that's, we we yeah, will not see you distance. soon, but we will talk we will to you talk to you soon. Exactly. All right. All right. Take care. Take care. Yeah. Bye, Thanks, Oscar. Blake. Bye. I'm standing. <laughs>